What's up, guys? Welcome to Breaking Walls, the Wall Breakers podcast, season one, episode three. My name is James Scully, and I am coming to you in transcription from a very secret location outside the heart of Scottsdale in the Arizona desert. Today on the podcast, we've got very successful freelance illustrator Brett Affronti for a sit-down chat about all the things that you might need to know and you're definitely going to need to know if you have ever considered being a freelancer in any industry. It doesn't matter whether you're an illustrator, a designer, an HTML coder, a interior designer, a wedding planner. You name it, you're going to need to know certain things like how to prepare taxes properly. Do you do quarterly taxes or do you do yearly taxes? How to know the market that you're going to be trying to make money in because you need to get your name out there. So that means what social media sites to be on, what portfolio sites to be on. All of these things are incredibly important for you to know. Also, you're going to need to know things like how to balance your internal budgets because when you're a freelancer, you might not be getting paid till 30, 60, 90 days out from the completion of a job. And that's really important because you don't want to be hitting rock bottom in terms of your bank account because you can't live that way. Brett, by the way, has forged himself quite the career as a freelancer, and he also sits down and tells us about some of the great things that that has afforded him in his life. You know, as somebody who spent a lot of years working at a 9-to-5, I know that the freedoms that freelancing can bring are really, really important. You are going to work harder, but you're also going to be able to set your own schedule and live the life the way that you want to live. This is a really great chat, and I'm really excited to bring it to you guys. But before I can do that, we have a very, very important message from our illustrious sponsors. So stay tuned. Extra, extra, read all about it. Great new discovery makes beer and ale easy to enjoy. It's a new kind of bottle. A different kind of bottle. It requires no deposit. No fussing with pennies. You don't have to return it. No bother with empties. Just pour out the beer and throw the bottle away. It's light as a feather. No arm-weary lugging. It's sturdy and compact. Saves space in the icebox. It's easy to open. And safe to drink from. It belongs on the table. It's at home on a picnic. And brother, what flavor? That true brewery flavor protected by glass as only glass can protect it yes the revolutionary new anchor glass one-way no deposit bottle is sweeping america for flavor that's brewery bright demand beer in bottles for safety and convenience demand your favorite brand in the new anchor glass one-way no deposit bottle product of anchor hawking The most famous name in glass. Hey guys, back on the podcast with Brett Affronti here. Brett is a very successful freelance illustrator living here in Brooklyn and working here in Brooklyn and New York. And I wanted to have Brett on the podcast to talk about methods of freelancing, getting new clients, you know, using social media tools or things like Glassdoor, LinkedIn, Behance to survive and thrive as a freelance artist in today's job market. So, Brett, welcome. Thank Thanks you. for having me. So you've been freelancing basically since you graduated college in 2008. Yep. Six now, years now, just over six years. Now, We went to college together, obviously Mm -hmm. we know each other, but I will also say that while at our college, graphic design, advertising, and illustration were lumped into one overarching major called communication design. So although Brett and I were in different majors, not only were we friends, but we also had close contacts on a school level. And some class overlap in some of our buildings. Now, the reason why I bring that up is because, (laughs) and this is not a knock on anybody, but Mm -hmm. of all of the illustrators that I knew who graduated with us, 
to me, you are somebody who stands out immediately as having made it as a freelance oh, illustrator. <laughs> in, And I will also say that at the time in school, I remember illustrators being told your only shot to make it as an illustrator at this point in time is to basically be a freelancer. and One of the only ways to do it at this point. Exactly. Yeah. And I do believe at, when you're in college, if you're not having to work to support yourself, there's really no way that you can really know how difficult it is to have to get up and go to work every day or to, to get work, to find work. Until you dive right in. Or until you dive right in. Yes, yeah. absolutely. And then once you're in there, that's it forever. Yeah. You're working for the absolutely. rest of your life. Like, yes, you could make a fortune and whatever, whatever. But sure, you know what sure. I'm saying? The, like, the, the, the regular folk, you know, work every day and work hard and have to make a living. Yeah. And that's, I think, something as a... Especially in an art, you know, an art-based school, you don't really think about every, right. every day while you're in school. You don't think about getting out and making a living, and especially in freelancing. So one of the things that I wanted to ask you was: mm-hmm. Were there things that, looking back, you wish you would have known in college that you could have been told? Like there are certain things, the money aspect of having to go out and work every day. Until you do that, sure. you don't realize what that's like. I, I had no concept of what I have to work all the time sure. as, as a college kid. Sure. You know, I had a great experience that we went to Pratt Institute in Brooklyn. I had a great experience there. I learned a whole hell of a lot. There were some business aspects of freelancing and being an illustrator that I didn't learn mm-hmm. that I wish I would have learned. A lot of that you have to dive right in and figure out as you're doing it. For one, saving for taxes. I always right. I always talk about taxes. You know, as a college kid, you don't realize if you freelance, you're not paying into taxes the same way that you are when you get a paycheck from a company. Because you are paying your own taxes. You are paying your own taxes for, for the most part. That's something I don't think goes into a lot of the curriculum at, at school, not just the school that we went to. I've, I've heard similar complaints and, and grievances from people in my industry, for sure. If you could choose one thing... Mm-hmm. Or two or three things besides that mm-hmm. that you wish you would have known about the business that, that a good professor could have sat down and told you. Taxes mm-hmm. being one of them. Sure, sure. That's that's coming from kind of the money standpoint and the actually making a living and living like a regular human being. As far as you know, my industry specific. Uh, I mean, there's, there's just so many things that you learn as you get into it. Being professional is a huge part of any industry of any. And especially freelancing, you need to be very professional. You need to word your emails correctly, turn your work in a proper deadline. Follow up with people. Follow up with people. Ask questions. Be very clear. Be very reliable. I mean, the list goes on and on. You can't learn everything in school by any means. So a lot of that you just have to learn as you go. Right after you graduated college. Sure. Now, you you had an apartment at the time, so you were paying rent. Yeah, right and out of right out. I had a little bit of trouble finding an apartment right out of school, but I I found one about a month after I graduated. And now, when you graduated college, were you already working full time at that point? Yeah, I was. Adult? I was working at an illustration rep agency that my aunt actually used to work at years ago. You know, I was working about thirty, thirty-five hours a week and going to school throughout pretty much my senior year. Yeah, so I continued that right after I graduated. While I was trying to really push my my illustration career, and I was trying to push the freelancing. And that's, that started slowly. Definitely for me, that was one of the most beneficial things that I did because I had some steady income coming in. At least from talking to a lot of recent graduates and people who are trying to, especially become illustrators, they don't realize, you know, you need to get a client base. You need to connect with people as far as your work. Your work needs to connect with people and sometimes that takes time. It's not something that happens right away. It's a slow process. So take me through, through then that early time, late 2008, early 2009, because we were also graduating college at that point uh, right where... Right before the economy tanked. Right, literally right a few months before the economy really tanked. Yeah. So you have the steady job now that's paying you a pittance, but it is sure. a low level of income that you know is coming in. Sure. 
What were some specific things that you were doing in early, late 2008, early 2009, your first six months out of school, sure. in order to get your name out there as an illustrator? Oh, man. Tons of email blasts. I look back on it now. My, my process, my, my promotional process has changed a lot, but I was kind of throwing, or what did I say, throwing a spaghetti against the wall and seeing what sticks. sticks. Right? Um, and, and, you know, not for nothing, but that was actually, I think, the only way it would have worked for me at the time. I was sending out emails every couple of weeks to prospective clients and very impersonal emails, which I think I should have crafted a little bit more personalized individual approach, which I, I do more so now. Yeah, I just kind of, I jumped off the cliff and I just I tried as hard as I could to get work from any direction I could. I was focusing a lot on editorial clients, magazines and newspapers, which I still do now. So, so right after I graduated, I was at my office job for almost a year right after graduation and then the economy tanked. You know, a lot of people stopped hiring illustrators for the time being because budgets got slashed. So I ended up having to leave my job. I got let go. So that forced me to be a freelancer. That that was kind of like the kick in the ass that I needed. And I remember at that time how scary that was, but oh, also so feeling scary. for you that you you could, and I remember you could acknowledge it rationally at that moment, even though emotionally you couldn't feel it, that you knew that that was going to be the best thing for you. Because sure. sometimes it's like if, if you have a one-month deadline to do something, the vast majority of people will wait until they feel like their backs against the wall before they really get to work. Oh, know? not me. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> not and, anymore, okay, maybe. all right. So wait, let's stop for a second there. Sure. Because what you just said, a few, you, I want to hit on a few things. Mm -hmm. One, you were very aggressive coming out of college mm -hmm. because you realized that if they don't know me, how are they going to know me unless I try to introduce myself sure. to them, right? So you weren't bashful, at least sitting behind a computer screen, where, you know, some people still might be. Sure. But you realize that I can't take no for answer and quantity over quality here in this regard might be the best thing because if I emailed 100 people, even if only 10 of them were people that I was really trying to connect with, sure. let's say 10 people got back to me that at first glance I didn't really think much of, but upon further investigation, sure. they're now relationships that I maintain and, and enjoy. Sure, sure. But you also said that you wished that you had taken a more personalized approach to the emails instead of just basically accomplishing as many emails as you could in a short amount of time as possible right. by making it as impersonal. I kind of put myself more in the shoes of the art director or the creative director or producer that I was emailing at the time. I put myself in their shoes and, and said, oh, wow, they must get, especially, you know, for example, a magazine like Rolling Stone. I still have not worked for Rolling Stone. I would love to. When I graduated, I sent them so many emails, so many postcards, and then I realized, you know, as you kind of get deeper into Twitter and now Tumblr and, and stuff like that, you see every year how many people come out of school and are trying to do the same thing that you're doing. So I kind of put myself in the art director's shoes. Like, wow, you know, they may easily get four or 500 emails a day from people wanting them to hire them. Two questions. Sure. Do you think a more personalized email to somebody at an agency like or at a magazine the size sure. of Rolling Stone would matter? Or is it just that they get so much volume that... I think it's different in every company, I'm sure. It's different depending on what their servers are like. Your email might go into spam. If, you know, for example, if it's a mass email or a promotional service like that, I think being personal is always a great approach. 
your email still might not be read. It might be overlooked, but if they do read it and you can connect on any kind of that level right off the bat, it's more beneficial then. That being said, like I mentioned before, when I first started, I threw a lot of spaghetti against the wall and some of it stuck and, and I still have a lot of the same clients now that I've worked with. So there's really no right or wrong way of, of doing anything. I'm still learning. I'm still figuring it out. Well, in a way, there is a right and wrong way. You know, not... Well, there are plenty of wrong ways. <laughs> yeah, but what I mean, a few things that what you just said. So you basically said, don't be afraid to send out a ton of emails. Mm -hmm. If you can, make as many of them personal. Sure. And the most important thing that you started to say more than I cut you off before was that don't put off till tomorrow what you can get done today. Because the longer you do procrastinate, the more you feel like you have to do, the more you feel like you can't overcome these odds. So just by doing some every day, sure. you get into the process of doing it. It feels like something that you're comfortable doing, and that's how you get ahead. I've never been much of a procrastinator, and I think that's one of the benefits to my career so far. I always kind of had this feeling like, oh, if I, I can put it off until tomorrow, but then what the hell am I doing today? And I want to work. I want to work hard. I want to get more clients. I want to be in more publications. I want to get bigger campaigns. Always. I, I've always been the kind of person that wants it all now. <laughs> Not a very patient person in that sense. But would you say that you're taking the time to do discovery phases where you look and try to find magazines, publications, clients sure. that you want to work for, that sure. it's not just whatever jobs are on job boards? No, no, absolutely. You're I can only speak for, for illustrators that there are no job boards. There's no listings for when, when I get hired for a commission. You know, sometimes clients remember my name and, and bookmark my site or get my postcard at some point, you know, close to when they get this job in. But uh, a lot of it is being at the right place at the right time, promoting, putting yourself out there. There's, there's no, it's not applying to jobs. You need to make your work memorable. You need to implant yourself in somebody else's print. And I think the, one of the best ways to do that. That's a tough thing to do. It is, and I think one of the best ways to do that is at least to start with something that you yourself really like because mm -hmm. you're going to be more inclined to put your heart and soul in it, right? Sure, sure. I, I mean, I don't know if this is kind of skewing too far, but one of the other things going back to things that I would have known in school trying to get work. Again, I can always speak specifically for illustrators, but you only want to promote the kind of work that you want to do. You don't want to be promoting work that you're going to be miserable doing. Because, because you're, going you know get, what? you're going to get stuck doing that You're going that to get work. hired for that exact... If you, if you have five pieces... Five illustrations that you have, and one of them, it might be really good, but you you were freaking miserable doing that piece. You're going to get hired doing that, something like that piece. It's without a doubt, you will get hired, especially you know early on in your career, you will get hired to do the stuff that you hate the most. So if you don't put that stuff out there, you won't get hired for it. Well, right. So put out what you love, okay. what you love to do. It's, that's a big, uh, that's an adjustment. I'm still working on that now. But you as know. far as a tangible takeaway from your methods that other people could use, sure. definitely you would say to take the time to explore and and learn yourself enough to know, yeah. I really enjoy this, I don't really enjoy that. Sure. Yeah, and and I, then I, also in line with the things that you do enjoy, don't be afraid to bombard that area. Yeah, it's my the methods as far as the promotion and putting myself on social media and, and out there, it changes. It's always finding the right balance for me. And... That's that's something that that is an ongoing learning experience and struggle at the same time. Right now, I've been not active on Twitter and Tumblr, and I should be more active on. I'm more of a private person in general. Anybody who knows me knows that I'm not. I don't talk about my work a lot. I don't gloat. I'm not an ass kisser. Well, a lot of people are like that, and they can do that. I I can't do that. In the beginning, I was I was pretty proactive on Twitter and everything, and now I've kind of found a nice balance where I'm comfortable. 
I'm also busy. So, you know, if I, if I was more hungry for work right this moment, you better believe I'd be posting more on Twitter and posting more on Tumblr because that's, that's, you know, where you're at at that point. Okay. So then talk to me about those online avenues that you find yourself or just, Mm -hmm. and not necessarily even illustrators, but artists and freelancers in general, portfolio type sites Mm -hmm. that you yourself would recommend because this is a good way to get your work up online in an easy way and send a URL to people. There's so many outlets. It's actually quite overwhelming. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Tumblr. I'm really bad. I still haven't really delved into Tumblr. It's a great resource for anything, as far as I'm concerned, anything visual, photography, illustration, fine art, animation, Anything in that realm, Tumblr's great. I also find it overwhelming because you follow so many people and you see so many images and it's almost like, ah, where do I fit in there? Mm-hmm. And um, and I, like I said, I'm not a big, I don't post a whole lot and I kind of get lazy about it. I've also heard great things about Behance. I'm not on Behance, I actually should be. I'm a user. Are you a user? Behance, do you yes. like it? I, I've heard great things. I so. have been using Behance <laughs> since late in 2008. That was my first portfolio site. Portfolio site, yeah. yeah. When, at, at it's a time changed when a I lot was doing, it too. has changed a lot, but not in a bad way. And it hasn't sure. lost its essence, which to me is that it's a portfolio site. Sure. It's not a social media network or, uh, you know, it's, it hasn't taken on any qualities of. Or a lot of qualities of something like a Facebook or a right, Twitter. Right, right. Which, to- which is totally changed right. for better or for worse, whichever way you want to put it. Yeah. You know. I found that any of the changes that Behance has made over the years have been at least with the intent to make the work more important or sure. more easy to access or more visually stimulating, sure. you know, based on their templates and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, this isn't about me, but I would definitely recommend Behance yeah, yeah. to people I should, who are I looking actually, at the site. probably set it up this weekend. <laughs> Get, get going on it. Why not? You know, the more social you are, the better. It just in general, I mean, uh, again, I, I'm even, you know, I have a Facebook page, a fan page that hasn't really taken off a whole lot. But promote through there, things like that have changed because now you can see how many people it's, your posts have reached and it's what's kind of cutting down on that a little bit. Yes, you have to pay it absolutely is. Yeah, Facebook you know, is not a long term solution. No, it's absolutely not. That's why you need to be up to date with everything, you need to not fight it. We need to embrace it. I fight it sometimes still. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I still, like I said, I find a balance. It's that whole work-life balance that's it's a tightrope. It is a tightrope. And it's, and it's constantly changing. Every time a new site, a new portfolio site, a new social media site comes up and is a little bit more up and coming, you have to jump on it. At least for my work, you know, you, you want to grow as things around you are growing. You want to change with times. You don't want to get left behind. So basically, if you're going to be a freelancer... Oh, and yeah. you want to have any kind of monochrome well, success, depends. so I mean, you have to be proactive. It, it, like I said, I can only speak for freelance illustrators as, as far as something like that. Different industries have different qualifications and standards for sure. But yeah, as an illustrator, it's yeah, you got to be active. you got to be proactive as much as possible. And that also does go back to the fact that, though, if you love the kind of work that you're doing... Yeah, you want to share it. You're proud of it. And, exactly. And you want to do more work like that. Absolutely. Okay. So then, once again, so you would recommend uh, Tumblr. Absolutely. It's got a very quick learning curve to understand how to use it. And for anybody who's not as socially media inclined, it's very inspirational. You see lots of images, you see photographs, you see funny posts, uh, inspirational posts. It's my favorite part of Facebook without Facebook. (laughs) That's a good way to put it. Yeah, Yeah, that's a very good way to put it. I would also say then, obviously, Behance is another thing that people can sign up for. And the good thing about Behance is that unlike a Tumblr or something like that, it's project-based, yes. So your work is more easy to find if people don't know who you are because they'll be coming to Behance to look at art. Absolutely. And they'll be looking at art in certain categories that you will have applied tags to your work to go through. Right, right. So as far as 
being specific at what you want to do, I think it's, in that sense, it's more of a focused promotional tool. It is. You know. And it also doesn't feel unprofessional if somebody points oh. you to a Behance. No, absolutely. I know people who have gotten pretty big jobs from big agencies around the world from Behance, which is, now well, I'm talking through it, I'm pretty well, stupid for not being Well, there. no, but let me ask you this. Do you believe in 2014, as we go into 2015, that the days of people having their own portfolio website, brettafronty.com. Mm-hmm. Which is my website. Which is brettafronty.com is Brett's website if you want to check out his illustration work. And we can plug all that stuff in. No, but the point being, do you believe that the days of johndoe.com are dying because everybody is going through their own larger social media channels so that in 2008, if you were a developer or if you were a designer or if you were some other kind of visual artist, sure. I feel like 75% of people had this sweet Flash website. Right, right. Oh, which, I and I'm flash. really happy. I flash and I'm really happy that Flash. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I let me stop. I'm not, I'm not happy that Flash has fallen by the wayside, but it's run its course. At the time, if you had a Behance, it really wasn't looked at as unprofessionally, but it kind of was it like at some point it, I need to have my own website. Oh, absolutely. Do you, and I, I still think everybody should. Anybody in the creative field who has a portfolio of any kind should have their own website, their own portfolio. Why whether, do you, why do you believe that or, is? Why, you know, speaking from my own experience, 95% of my work still comes from people either finding my work elsewhere and then being referred to my website and looking at my portfolio and and reading my bio if they want to and getting my contact information there, finding my Twitter handle on there. So what you think, so it's it's, it's an important hub. It's an important hub. I Even think. if it's not the first thing that people use. Absolutely. And, and most likely, it's, unless it's direct promotion that people find my website, it might not be the first thing that people go to. If someone sees an illustration of mine in a magazine and then Googles my name, mm-hmm. they might go to my website first, but they might go to my Twitter handle first, or they might go to my Tumblr. I'm just a firm believer in personal websites. It's really important. It might be less so in the future. Well, actually, but. if we go back to Behance for a moment, Behance offers very affordable pro-site plans. Mm. And with the pro-site... You can have your own URL. Sure. And they have all these different kinds of templates that you can use that look stylish. If you don't know how to develop or, sure, you know, rather than setting up a Word. Site. Right. Absolutely. You can't set up a WordPress. It, so, right. As long as it's somewhat, I would say, personal. You know, you don't have to have childhood pictures on there in your bio, which some people do, which I think is great. But it's got to be you in some sense. Right. People should walk away from it getting the sense that I know who Brett Affronti is, or at least I, I have I know who idea. I will be hiring. That's a good way to put it. That's the best way to put it because this isn't personal. Truthfully, it's business. You have to separate them, but at the same time, in business, you should still be yourself. Yeah, absolutely. You shouldn't be somebody you're not. And, and interesting, interestingly enough, I know you know I know some people who have an Instagram for their work, and I've debated doing that same thing. But I, I have an Instagram for my personal use, and sometimes I post you know a picture of sketches or work in progress or something or a project that just came out in print. But I also post tons of pictures of my dog and my wife. That to me, that for some reason, that's an outlet that's I want to keep both personal and business. Mm-hmm. I want people that if anybody takes the time to follow me and is interested enough in my boring life on Instagram, they, on Instagram Which specifically, was Instagram.com slash Brett Oh, Okay, so anyway, continue. <laughs> yeah, it's very easy. I like people getting to know who I am too. As much as I focus on the business aspect of everything, I also need to keep in mind that if somebody's hiring me for something, they're hiring me. They're not just hiring my hand. They're hiring my brain. They're hiring my views on the world are different than your views on the world. Exactly. Even if there's a lot in common, everybody's got their own perspective on everything, whether minor or major. And if you do put some of that out there for people who are listening, at least then you know that you're hoping at least that when your employer goes to check you out before he hires you, mm-hmm. he or she gets that kind of picture that you're describing 
Sure. And then makes that judgment call based on how they personally are, which, uh, whether we like it or not, you want to work with or for someone sure. that you have things in common with so that you get along better and produce better work. Sure, sure. So you're well, not going to, and you're not going to get every job offer out there. No, but no. But at least that, and that helps guarantee that when people contact you, if they care, and they should, and not everybody does, but if they care, they'll get a good picture of who you are as much sure. as you want to put out there. And in the end, you'll work at more enjoyable situations. Yeah, and, and speaking again about Instagram specifically, because that's the social media platform that I'm, I am more personal with and less business-like. And most of the people that follow me or I follow in my industry, art directors or designers or other illustrators, I've either met already or have had interaction with over Twitter or have worked with or for before. Part of my uh, kind of revolt against social media is I think it, as much as it brings people together, it keeps people apart at the same time. And it's in a weird way very impersonal. And I like to keep it, it kind of it's... personal at times and then kind of business at times. Like I said, it's a balance that you're always struggling with. Yes. And that's a good point about philosophical point about social media programs, specifically Facebook and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Because people are posting curated best moments of themselves. Sure. So, but not that. If I didn't speak to you regularly, pre-social media, I couldn't know anything that's going on in your that's life. That's true. And I would have to speak to you personally Absolutely. to find out. Right. Whereas now I can just gloss over the highlights right, right. and know what's going on in Brett's world and never have to speak to you. So that's not really a good thing in a no, way. No, and a lot of times those highlights are not true highlights. That's oh, also true because they're curated. Going. They're curated. They're, right. you know, oh, let's take an Instagram picture of how happy we are. Or, yeah, you know, of well, Let's take a picture of this mountain I just climbed or whatever, which is all awesome. That's no, really and there's nothing wrong with that. that. No, it's... but you do have to be willing to put yourself out there in life. It's sure. kind of what we keep hitting on, especially in today's day and age where it's getting it's harder and harder to make a buck as a staff salary employees. There yeah. is a lot of competition, like you're saying. Yeah. So be yourself because be yourself. who else are you going to be? Exactly. And yeah. if you are yourself, you'll be more inclined to do all these things because you'll be I'm happy. not being hired for being anybody else. I'm being hired to be myself. Whether I'm doing something that I want to be doing or not, some, yeah, you got to get paid. Some, some jobs you take on you don't love, but you want to do the best you can as you. And I think that what this goes back to in a lot of ways and what we keep hitting on is that being yourself mm -hmm takes a lot of work. So you have to be proactive at being yourself. And, and you're, you're always changing. That, you know, and you are always changing. always changing. So it is important that all of you changes and evolves and not just portions of you and talking business-wise, sure. you know. So take me through then your now, let's say two years out of school, three years out of school. You're getting, we're, we're out of the aughts and now we're in 2010, 2011, 2012. Sure. How were your methods of attracting business or uh, finding happiness through your work how were they evolving as that time was going on? Oh, as that time was going on? Yeah, um, because now you're not 21 anymore. You're 25, yeah. you know, 24, 25. You yeah. have a little bit, you have your feet under you. Yeah, yeah. What's changing? I mean, What's that, staying the same? At that point, I think from like two to maybe four years out of school, I think uh, I think it was definitely my height of kind of my mass promotion. I really wanted to get my name out there. I knew there was a lot of competition, and I was figuring out what was working for me. I was analyzing a lot of my Google Analytics for my website, which is another important part of having a website portfolio, I think. I became a little obsessive about it. Google Analytics? Oh, yeah. And are you I, talking about like, obsessing over the amount of traffic oh, going on your traffic website? Where that traffic was coming from. And, I mean, it was good. It was a good thing, but it was definitely... Uh, that became a job on itself. Oh. It's promoting... Yes, and... You know, for me, it's... The work is really the most important thing, but what I don't think a lot of people understand about freelancing is having, like, a business manager. Being your own business manager is a full-time job. Right, because um, your work could be fantastic, but if nobody sees it... 
And nobody's you, seeing and, and, and nobody's communicating with the client and tracking down invoices and all so that. So you, all do, that kind you of stuff. do have to do all of that yourself. Yes. Absolutely, yeah. Which is a lot of work, but in a lot of ways does make you a very well rounded business person. Absolutely. I mean, it's been an amazing experience. I say that I own my own business. You know, uh, I am my own business, but I own it and I run it pretty well, I hope. What is your long term? But what is your method for invoicing? For how to go about that? You know, money is something that people have a hard time talking about. Oh, no, they But when you have to get your money, you have to talk about no, it. No, and I think I'm very open about you know, the money aspect of everything. I think people should be more open about talking about rates, how they get paid, and when they get paid. And it's a really important part of being a business owner and a freelancer. That's the hardest part of freelancing. Getting and paid. I, not getting paid necessarily. Well, getting, getting the job to get paid is one step. Invoicing and then getting the money is another step. And then balancing when the money's coming in, when it's not. You have to be very good with your money. And you have to make mistakes along the way. So, and you shouldn't be afraid to make them because... Well, you, you prefer to not make big mistakes because you don't right. want to be flat broke or something. But you're going to make the mistakes. You're going you're gonna to learn the hard way about certain things. It just has to be, I think. And one thing that people might not realize about freelancing is that, like a salary job, I guess, yes, you're technically getting paid for like two weeks before or whatnot when you right. get paid. But when you're freelancing, it's sometimes 30, 60, 90 days oh, before I'm, I'm you get paid. A, I'm waiting on a check from, I'm not going to name the agency, but a very big agency, uh, advertising agency here in New York. They owe me money from an invoice in January, you know. And, and it's I, August, and it's seven months. Yeah. Now that's an outlier. Though. That's absolutely an outlier, but it does happen. That's a learning process on itself. There's nothing that can prepare you for that. No, you have you to know, get screwed to learn the hustle. Yeah, and you know what? I actually just had a breakthrough this week with that outstanding invoice, which was a nice relief. Long story short, a, a woman that I was working with and was in communication with this ended up leaving the company. So I was getting no response from her for because, a couple of weeks because right. she wasn't there. So I ended up contacting one of the creative directors that I work with who's a great guy and he's getting taken care of for me. But there are some jobs that you, uh, it takes a while. So, and what you're basically saying is that don't be afraid to hunt people down for your oh, money no. because you've worked for it. Don't feel bashful about that. No, it's, I mean, me personally, everybody's got their own process. I don't hunt down an outstanding invoice unless it's when I just pass it the 60 day. Most of my pay comes from between 30 and 60 days after the invoice date. Gotcha. Anything sooner than 30 days is wonderful. But it rarely happens. Anything after 60 days, it's still kind of common. But I don't think a lot of people, even that I work with, realize sometimes how long it takes for us to get You send an invoice and it goes through proper channels and it goes through accounts payable. And people have to sign off and you have to wait for clients to pay them. And I don't think some people realize that it takes three, four months to get paid. Right. You know, it, it, but it so sucks. <laughs> you would recommend to a freelancer then... 60 days is that mark where you're like starting to say, okay, I need to be polite here, but I need to start asking them, hey guys, you got to pay me. It's been two months now. Well, that's in uh, your mind. That's the way you want to word it. That's what you think. But you have to find a process that works. So for me, like I said, between maybe 45 and 60 days, depending on how big the job is, how much money is out there waiting to be sent my way. You know, I usually send a follow-up email, just double checking, attaching the invoice again and the information on the invoice. Just saying, I'm wondering if you can check on this outstanding invoice for me. It's X amount, amount of days overdue. It's no rush, but whenever you get a chance, if you can please check up on that. And if I can possibly get an ETA on payment, that'd be great. Money is a really hard thing to talk about for some people, even in a professional setting. But you, you can't be afraid to talk about it. Everybody's got to get paid. Everybody's got bills. To pay. I, that was the, the email that I sent this company. I understand that things get lost in the mix sometimes, but I have I have bills to pay like everybody else. Yeah, man. And I need then to get they paid. keep sending them. Sometimes I wish I had the, the gall to say to somebody who's, who's kind of skirting payment, well, I don't want to hold on to your paycheck for <laughs> six months. 
and see how quick that gets done. But you can't do that. Nobody understands sometimes that it's it's a process. Sure. And I'd like to jump into that as far as talking about well, uh, talking about money in general. Let me ask you real quick. Yeah. What is a invoicing service that you use um, could recommend to somebody? Yeah, sorry, I jumped over that. My process has changed since I started. I, I actually got a, I have a handwritten ledger book that I keep all of my jobs in. Interesting. Just kind of for How fun. How Ebenezer Scrooge. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, I, just I, I really enjoy it. I don't know. It's a, it's like this old school ledger book from like the 50s that I got in a yard sale. It was in perfect condition. It was just a romantic thing for me. You know, I, I have an design template that I use and I write up my invoices that way. Did you create the template yourself? Yeah, it's very simple. Now it's got my tax ID number. I recently became LLC, so I have a tax ID number instead of social security number. But it had my social security number and my address and my name and, and my phone number, my email address, and then just a very simple template for services and, rendered, you know, out of pocket costs. Okay. Short terms of what the job entails, rights granted, and then that's it. So whoever is doing the freelancing job should be familiar with those details. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, there's, there's I mean, if they, they sign the contract, they should have read it over, but... Sometimes you don't. I mean, at least for me, sometimes I don't have contracts. Sometimes, I mean, a lot of the jobs I worked on have contracts because they're kind of standard editorial. We need this job in three or four days. There's no time for contracts sometimes. You just got to hope for the best. I would say, depending on what kind of work you do, having a contract, a standard contract written and trying to get clients to sign a contract is the best thing to cover well, yourself. Yeah, so then there is some sort of legal binding. Agreement. Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, having an email record is always good, but having something yeah. signed and, and confirmed is even better. Okay, so people should definitely be keeping records. Absolutely. And trying to get things signed if they can. So yeah. You yeah. have some recourse. Give yourself as much recourse to get paid as possible. Yeah, depending on the size, the size and the scope of the job, too. You know, for, for smaller jobs it's that are a little quicker, sometimes you just don't have time for all that. You know, some people have reps for that, at least illustrators. Some people have you know agents and, and whatnot. Are there websites that you would recommend somebody going to if they were looking for an invoice template? <laughs> Kind of continue what I was saying before. So I use a ledger book and my own system for invoicing. I still use that, but I now also use, because I've had a little bit more volume of work coming in, I also use QuickBooks. Okay. Which I love. It covers my bases. It's, you know, if I screw up in my ledger book for any reason, which I have done at the end of the year going over my taxes and everything, and I've kind of missed an invoice. And, oh, my God. I skipped over one invoice, and everything screwed up. With something like QuickBooks, I can double-check. Everything's quick. Everything's set in stone. You know, everything's everything's recorded. And so it, it covers my tracks. And how much did that software cost? Uh, I believe I pay, I pay about twenty dollars a month, eighteen a month maybe. Okay, so um, it's reasonably affordable, and that is a tax write-off. Absolutely, absolutely tax write-off, and it's it's been very helpful. There are other invoicing template sites that I've heard are great. I've never used them. Right. And even through QuickBooks, you can write up standard invoices with a template. So template if somebody doesn't have design them. skills like you or I do. Yeah. They, yeah, can, they can find a template on QuickBooks. I believe so. Okay. I'm not going to speak for that company, but I, I think so. Let's go into negotiating here. Mm -hmm. And I know that's something that's a burning topic that's been on your mind. It is very important for people who are sitting down at a business table with somebody to feel confident in negotiating dollars and negotiating terms to get what they want. Because sure. if you don't have the confidence to get yours and do it the right way, right. you'll always be subservient to somebody else. Well, it's that, and it just also sets good precedent, too. Nobody likes talking about money. Money's a really tough thing for people to bring up. You know, I know seasoned pros as illustrators that, that still like her. Oh, I asked for more money for this job, and I, I don't know if I should have. And looking at the terms, you're like, yeah, of course you should have. It's, it's under, you know, their budget was under budget or whatever. 
But it's a really important thing to talk about, and the more you do talk about it, the more comfortable you become, and the less stressful it becomes. I think the first time I asked for more money, I was like biting my fingernails, waiting for an email back, you know, response. Oh my, did I just blow it with this client? I asked for more money. Most likely I got what I was asking for and it was no problem. Or they met me halfway or they said they didn't have it, which is how it happens now. But it's a really important thing because you have to put a value on what you do. And if you think that that's being underutilized, if you're getting underpaid or overworked for something that you're doing, you have to speak up about it. Nobody's going to fight it for you. You have to fight it for yourself. Exactly. That sure just summed it up right. And you will lose some jobs that way. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, you'll, but you'll that, be able to... I've had to, after trying to negotiate, you know, more money for something, I've had to turn down a job, a job or two. You know, it doesn't happen often, but if I'm too busy or I really just have a red flag raised about an assignment, I've turned it down before. And it sucks. It's not easy. Nobody likes turning down work or turning down anything. And it's a tough thing. But you know what? In the long term, you have to go with your gut. That's a huge part of absolutely. this everyday life, yes. too, is like, as a freelancer, you have to... You just have to trust yourself. And you're not going to always trust yourself. You're going to have moments where you're like, oh, did I do this right? Should I have asked for more money? Or should I have not asked for more money? Should well, I have tried to get more time out of this timeline, this deadline? And uh, if you don't do it, you got to deal with it. Talk to me about some guides or guidelines that people can find so that they can educate themselves on whether or not somebody's undercharging. So because it's not really shots in the dark, you do want to have a rough idea of whether sure. or not somebody... You know, like, a place like the Freelancers Union has articles on this all the time. They're a pretty good resource. Like for me specifically for illustration, also in the realm of graphic design and art direction, animation, there's the, uh, the Graphic Artist Guild Handbook, uh, which Thank is a, a really great resource. I use it weekly. You know, to quote jobs or to look up. And the good thing about the Graphic Artist Guild handbook is that it's not just illustration. Oh, it's everything. It's every kind of... I've looked at, uh, you know, art direction quotes and standards for other kinds of jobs that I've yeah, done. Designers, and web developers. It's got contracts. It's yeah. got invoice templates. You know, it's in a book form. You know, you, you have to kind of make your own templates and contracts. It's a really good resource. I don't think people use it enough. No, they don't. And I actually, going back to fighting for more money, you know, money's a tough thing and budgets have, at least in my industry, dropped significantly recently. And it's understandable, you know, budgets are reworked all the time. One thing that I wish more people that I worked with from the other end, the people hiring me, art directors, is I, I wish that some art directors and designers used the book more because it is kind of a standard industry guide. To be to, so, it can be mutually beneficial, and, it's it is, not and it's updated once a year. Which whether or not that's, in, that's often enough, but yeah, well, I have a, a few editions now, and it's funny to compare them because actually the rates have dropped Changed. for some. But there's also different terminologies. There's talking about web usage instead of print because obviously print is fading a little bit. I hope it doesn't ever fully die because I love print. But a lot of the inquiries that I get for assignments are web only. There's nothing out there that's a standard guide for pricing for web only. You have to figure it out. Other illustrators like myself are figuring out as we speak how to price this stuff. That's an interesting direction to go in. Well, there will be some trial and error, Absolutely. obviously, therefore. But the Graphic Artist Guild handbook mm. is still a good guide to keep by, to at least help yourself figure things sure. out. I mean, at least for me, I haven't been afraid to mention that to clients. Most of the time, it doesn't happen as much in, in editorial. There are some bigger jobs in advertising or institutional work, corporate clients, that maybe might not be aware of the standard budgets as much as a weekly magazine deals with all the time. So... I've had no problem referencing a chapter of the book. I've even scanned in pages of the book and sent it to a client as I'm giving a quote, just saying, hey, listen, here's my estimate for this assignment, for this project. It's kind of on par with keeping the terms that we've negotiated and the things that you're looking for. 
this is what the industry standard might be. I think the more people that are aware of that, the better for everybody. I don't hold on to it like, oh, I gotta look in my book and tell nobody about it. I, I tell people about it. Right. Know, that open dialogue about money, about terms, about contracts, it's only better for everybody in the long run. So, and I agree with that. So you, what you're basically saying is that you have to feel comfortable enough with yourself mm-hmm. to send a client a quote mm-hmm. and then reference a source book and saying, Sure. Yeah. And I don't do it all the time. I don't do no, no, time. because somebody from the outside might think that's obnoxious. Obnoxious or, or, or But it's not yeah. obnoxious. Because it's actually it's just, just it, I'm not trying to school anybody. You're just trying to bring it to their attention that if this number seems high for this project, this is where it's coming from. It's coming from my prior experience along with this as a reference. And I also and think that... Uh, kind of important, I think. Do you also feel that people should sit down and ask themselves, how much an hour are you worth? Do you know what I mean? An hour of your time, sure. how much How much is that worth to you? Oh, absolutely. A day, a week. And so that you can start to figure these pricing I'm still details out. out. I, if I, you think it's $50, then you would know that if a job takes 40 hours of time, sure. only 50 times 40, and that's how your mind starts to go about it. Absolutely. Know? It's a little trickier for me and, and for illustrators because we mostly deal with per-project commission. We're not working hourly. Some longer-term projects or in-house projects, they are hourly, but it's, it's less common now. But going right back to that, how much is your time worth? I always think about that. I have turned down assignments because, yeah, money's great and getting an assignment is great. But if I'm not that excited about the project, I'll have to say, well, you know, I'd really rather spend time with my wife this weekend and not be out working. I have to assess, is this money worth it for this project? And I've actually held my uh, my ground on that more so recently and I'm more comfortable with that. And I think it's been very beneficial. I think it's been good for my work-life balance. Well, um, that's a big part. I know a lot of freelancers that they, they do become obsessive and they they work a lot. And I work a lot too, but you have to shut it off and you have to you have to know what your, your personal time is worth. Well, that's what that's a good way to put it. And so, if somebody was sitting down and trying to gauge a quota for themselves mm-hmm. or a quote, you start to think about how much twenty four hours a day of your life is worth to you. How much? Of that should be spent doing work, and how much of that you should oh, turn off. Yeah, that's, because that's it's true, if you're going to turn your brain off, you might have to make some financial sacrifices. But I think that once you are living that, you realize that there's no sacrifice quite like sacrificing your free time. No, no. But and, you are also going to have to be willing to bust your butt. Oh, absolutely. And I do work weekends and take on jobs that are quick deadlines that are stay up very late working. I we've been trying to do this interview for quite some time, and I, right. I've been so, very busy. I okay. haven't been able to step out. And so, how many weeks in a row have you been working really hard oh. right now? Right now, uh, I just finished up a project that I've worked like a month straight on. Okay, um, so... I actually traveled for this job. It was a great job. I actually traveled for it. I met with my client in L.A., look, book for a, like a private K-12 school. Very cool school. Lots of sketches and lots of, not changes, but back and forth. And we were kind of figuring it out as we went, and it came together great. But I was also working on L.A. time. I was well, working okay. late every night. So and, then talk to me about the exact, give me an estimate of, if it was a month, so four weeks, and about how much time a week were you working these last uh, four weeks? I'll start with saying that I, I'm always up and working at a regular time, so I make sure that I'm up and showered with my coffee, and I walk the dog and feed the dog and read all my blogs or whatever I have to read, and then get to work by 9. For example, the last month, it's been a lot of <laughs> getting up that decent hour, getting to work by 9 or 10 o'clock, and specifically the last three weeks, I was working until about 11 o'clock. Um, you know, not straight through. You take breaks, for sure. You know, everybody's got their own process. I try to... That's another reason I've been a little lacking in social media, because it's, it's been a distraction. I can't complain about this, because I'm lucky to have this work coming in. Right. Um, but there are times where you're spending a lot of time on a project. Okay. But whatever the amount of time is, mm-hmm. it's over 40, obviously. But let's sure. say, you know, whatever it is. Let's Give say 60, yeah. 70, 80 for a month. 
whatever, mm-hmm. a lot of hours. But your next week coming up, mm-hmm. you're taking off, I'm right? I'm taking off, yeah. yeah. And that, that is one of the good things about being a freelancer. Finally. <laughs> if you can be at it long enough, you do eventually get the yeah, luxury well, of, oh, I can work hard in this first and then take a week here. And-, and that's not easy. I will say that's something I've had to learn, too. A lot of people have this misconception that, well, again, I can only speak for myself as an illustrator and what our schedules are like and the hustle that we have to to uh, you know follow i don't go on many vacations we don't get away much we go and my wife and i go on you know three four day weekends occasionally but i don't get vacation time get you have to make time. your own i have to make my own i have to bust my ass for five weeks to take a six week off you know or whatever it might be or two months to take three days off and then sometimes you just can't take time off because you gotta make the money and you gotta you have to work and tracking down work takes time and if it is a slower time who's taking vacations during a slow time so it's, it's a constant struggle of balancing that time off versus working really hard. Would you say that six to seven years out now, you prefer that to your standard 12-month-a-year, two weeks off, some sick days, some office days off environment? Do you oh, prefer that, that you are blazing your own trail? Or, sure. Or would it be easier if somebody had laid out a path for you? Oh, I don't know. I mean, uh, or, every... Or a schedule. Yeah. More than a path. Every day, I think, I love what I do, and I, and I work very hard at it, and I'm very lucky. A lot of it's luck. Let's get that out of the way. But I always think about working a nine-to-five and getting a paycheck every two weeks and getting health insurance. Awesome. But then at the same time, hey, I get to work and my dog's sitting right next to me. and I, I get to go out and take a walk and get a cup of coffee whenever I want to. I can take a week off if I can work the schedule around and make the money work and everything. You are your own man. I'm my own boss. I need to have clients paying me, so I'm not of entirely course. my own boss. But the grass is always greener. You know, That's you're true. you're always yeah, thinking I'm always thinking, even in the future, even in well, oh, what's it gonna be like in ten years and maybe I will want a regular job and maybe I will want a nine to five type schedule or everything. It's got its benefits and it's got its flaws, just like just like freelancing does. You know, I work from home so I have the luxury of really working for myself. Right. So Absolutely. Now, if somebody who's listening is at a nine to five mm-hmm. and is... I'm not knocking it, by the way. No, no, not at all. But they're thinking about taking that leap. Mm-hmm. And we've spoken about the power of networking and putting yourself out there and writing personal emails and negotiating. What would you say to somebody who sat down in lieu of, every, you know, we've talked about all this, but... After my experience of being forced into Would it. you recommend it to somebody? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's where a lot of things are headed. I think permanent jobs are becoming more rare to find. I think there's a lot of permalance and freelance, at least in at least in my industry, you know, in, in the design field and the communications field. Agreed. It's been going that way for years. But in the illustration world, that's all there is. There's a few staff jobs. I admire people that want to make that jump. It's a tough jump. I made it without even realizing I was making it. I got let go from that office job that I had. I was actually on unemployment for a little while while I was... I would unclaim my unemployment when I had a job. I was getting maybe a job a month at that point. It was a tough thing to figure out, but in the end, it was the best thing for me. I would just say it's not easy, but you have to know the road that's ahead of you. It's a lot of work, but it's rewarding. It's definitely worth it. If you can make it work, it's great. And, and it's not for everybody. It's no, definitely it not for everybody. You know, there's, It's just like living in certain cities is not for everybody. And people have different tastes in movies and music. It's Not every work schedule and way that your career goes is right for everybody. Yeah. You know, everybody's different. Plug for me your social media, your website. It's not my website's www.brettafronty.com. That's B R E double T double T A F F double F R U N T I. Right, brettafronty.com. Yes. You said earlier your Instagram is Instagram.com. It's Brett Affronty also. Slash Brett Affronty. Yeah. Twitter and handle? Twitter handle is the same, Brett Affronty. 
If people wanted to reach out to you, would there be a specific method that you say, get to me this way first? This will be the first way that I check. Probably email. Email? Do you yeah. want to have a public email? Sure. Yeah. My email is brett at brettafronty.com. Okay. You can find it through my website. It's sure. no secret. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Sometimes I'm bad about writing emails back. It's not an urgent thing, but I welcome it. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much. Oh, thank it. you. Yeah. So how about that chat with Brett? For somebody like myself who has only recently jumped full steam ahead into the freelancing world, it was an eye-opening and informative discussion for me. Brett can be reached at brett at brettaffronti.com. That's B-R-E-T-T-A-F-F-R-U-N-T-I dot com. That's also his website, brettaffronti.com. He's on Facebook at facebook.com slash illustration. He's also on Twitter and Instagram with the handle of at Brett Affronti. I wanted to give you guys an important bit of information along with a big time thank you because Breaking Walls, the Wall Breakers podcast, is officially on the iTunes store for download and subscription. In order to get this podcast, open up iTunes, search for the Wall Breakers, and subscribe. And by the way, I would really love it if you guys rated and reviewed the podcast because in doing so, that improves the algorithm in which the Wall Breakers podcast is displayed on the iTunes store and ensures that the Wall Breakers podcast gets bumped up higher on the iTunes charts. That's really important to me. I hope that's really important to you guys. And if there are things that you don't like about this podcast so far, please, please, please tell me, tell me, tell me. It's the only way that we can make this better. Don't just tune it off and say, ah, that, that James, forget this. You tell me, you come to me, you say to me, hey, James, what's the matter with you, eh? Why would you even think about doing this podcast in this sort of format? And I'll be happy to listen because that's the way that we're going to get better as we do this. And I want to thank you guys once again because that is some big-time news for me in my life. Next week on the podcast, I sit down with legendary New York City nightlife promoter and bar manager Tom Moriello for a very important chat about getting to yes in a professional environment. And what that means is, no matter what walk of life you're in, professionally, passion-wise, your career, at some point in time, you're going to have to approach a superior, a potential client, someone that you're going to need to convince to go with your idea. And Tom is going to help us get that kind of confidence that we need through preparation, through homework, through trusting yourself and believing in yourself that we can use to get to yes in one of those environments, be it a corporate one, be it a professional one in terms of getting up on stage and playing in front of a band as a performer, you name it. Tom has quite the personality and he shed some light on how he developed the confidence necessary to put him into positions that he's currently in in his life right now. I want you to remember a couple of things here, guys. One, if you're feeling like there are some walls in your way in life, they're only in your mind. Look at yourself in the mirror. Remember that you're special, you're unique, and the only person that you should be is you. Pick up that physical sledgehammer or that mental sledgehammer, whatever you need in a positive way, and break through those walls. Because that's the only thing that's going to stand in the way of your happiness in life. You. Where there is a will, there is a way. And yes, sometimes circumstances dictate that what's around us creates high levels of difficulty for us to achieve the things that deep down inside we really want to achieve. But remember something once again. Where there is a will, there is a way. Those that mind don't matter, and those that matter don't mind. I want you to go out there. I want you to hug somebody you love. I want you to have yourself a really great week, and I want you to keep getting out there and keep breaking those walls. This is Breaking Walls, the Wall Breakers podcast. My name is James Scully, and until next time, I'll see you.